All right, Kath Nolan, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Now, Kath, just tell the guests a little bit about yourself. So who's Catherine Nolan? Let's take it right back to the beginning. Oh, my God, there's some pressure. Is that the worst thing you've got to do is describe yourself? Um, <laughs> so I am, I'm a coach. Um, I'm a different kind of coach. So I guess I'm a, um, I'm a transformation coach. I work with people in their careers pretty much. Um, so there's some life stuff in there, but mostly it's career stuff. Awesome. I'm a now, guest speaker and other things, but essentially at its heart, I'm a coach. Awesome. So how did you get started with that, with being a coach? Great question. Um, so I, I kind of fell into, I, I, I think like most careers, I kind of fell into one step after the next, but I hit a crossroads where I was working in recruitment and I loved some parts of it. I loved coaching people on how to get to the next step, right? Um, but it wasn't actually, I wasn't officially in a coach role. Um, and then, and it just, the, the sales part of the role just didn't quite work for me. I didn't like the, um, the culture that I was working in wasn't really, um, it didn't fit my values. And so I quit. I'd been in the industry for eight years. I quit. And then this other little pocket of the business came and tapped me on the shoulder and said, okay, right, now that you've quit, it's not, um, it's not stealing, not poaching. Come and work for us. So I did. I started working for them and did some qualifications in coaching and just went through a really high volume experience of coaching a lot of people through leadership coaching, careers coaching, um, and started out on my own at the same time. Awesome. How much have you learned just working with people? Because it's one thing, obviously, reading books and things, but once you start yeah. working with people, how much more have you learned? So much. So, so, so much. It's, heaps and heaps. It's like um, um, when I'm working with people, it's almost like you can tell there's this sort of this sweet spot where you can tell how much I'm working with people um, because, like, I just have to share it. You know, I'm like, there's this thing that's coming up a lot. I've got to share it with you. This is how you get over this particular issue. Um, and then, so when I'm quiet, you probably don't hear much of that. Um, when I'm quiet with work-wise and not actually working with people. Like during the pandemic, it was a little bit more quiet. So I wasn't sharing that sort of stuff so much. And then when you're really busy, it's like, I've got to, I've got to share this. You've got to hear this because it's, it's this really common theme. I've got to share with you how to tackle this thing. And then when you get really busy, you won't hear from me again because I'm so busy that I don't have time to share anything. <laughs> but you do, you learn so much just being in the traffic. Absolutely. Now, yeah. how, how important is leadership? Now, obviously, there's leadership in businesses, even at home. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how important is it in now? Do you work with people? Is it just businesses or just give me a bit of background about the kind of the type of clientele you work with? Yeah, sure. So, Matt, I've worked with people from duck pluckers to CEOs, literally duck pluckers to CEOs um, across all industries, different types of roles. I think that... Um, Leadership sometimes comes with an assumption that it's a job title. Um, it's really not. So leadership is about people who are looking to influence other people in any way. That's about having an impact on the world around you. It's about having an idea and wanting to stand for it. Awesome. Now, I know there's a lot of different people. Like I'm a massive fan of Tim Grover. I don't know if you've heard of Tim Grover. I don't follow Tim, no, but I'm right from today, yeah. He was Michael Jordan's ex-trainer. Oh, there you go. And one thing he said that Michael Jordan in every change room, he, he always started with chess passes and yeah. he, always, he always picked up the basketballs, packed up. He goes, doesn't matter how high you are, a true leader, like isn't afraid to sweep the floor. Is that top? Is that the type of um, thing that you go off? Yeah, for sure. I think it's really important. I think, um, I think the opposite of that is what I call dinosaur leadership. And it really is fading. You know, yeah. people who kind of think that um, there, there are still, there are still leaders out there. There are still dinosaur leaders out there, but I think that um, it's much more sought after to be an inclusive leader. And that means about, you know, uh, embracing the strengths of everybody on the team. Um, yeah. And sometimes you need to look past your biases to be able to see that because, you know, bias is there. It helps us make assumptions. It helps us to, um, it's part of the brain's wiring that helps to get through the day, you know, like um, if you didn't have bias, then you'd have to make millions and millions more decisions in the day. Like you'd have to actually consciously make decisions, but Bias means that things happen in your subconscious. I'm already off on a tangent. I'm completely off on a tangent already, Matt. I love it. Um, Keep going. But this bias thing, you know, it means that um, it cuts down on the 
um, the amount of conscious decisions that you need to make. And this is where I think we get the greatest growth is actually like, so International Women's Day was last week and the theme for this year is um, break the bias. For me, bias is something that is a little bit misunderstood. You know, people think that bias is almost a naughty word. You know, it's like um, it comes with connotations of putting people down um, and not including people, you know. Um, but actually bias is if you can tackle your bias and you can harness it, it really is a very powerful thing because it's about, um, you know, we talk about, you know, um, we talk about like, um, you know, building habits that are useful for you, right? But habits often operate at a conscious level, whereas if you can get those habits operating in the way that you think that's tapping into your bias, utilising your bias to work for you, that is so, so good and so powerful, really, really powerful. And I love and going going forward towards that, the whole habit mm. thing. Now you've mm. got a great concept you came up with and, and you told me a great story last week when we spoke. Yeah. I'd love for you to touch touch base on that and, and how it all came about. Yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. So um so I was um a few years back now, I'd gone through um a situation where we'd experienced domestic violence. And there as a result of that, my kids and I were living on our own. And we were actually still experiencing quite a bit of trauma at the time. Um, we were living in a pretty dangerous situation. Um, and uh, there was not a lot of certainty in our days. So we had established a house. It was a newer house and it was just us. And I don't know if you can see the edges of my desk, but like this, where my hands are, that's the edges of my desk. This used to be my kitchen table, this tiny little antique Scottish table. And so... Each night, um, we'd sit down at this table, just the four of us around this table. The kids were three, five, and eight at the time. Um, but as I say, there was this tumult that was just, it was, it was chaos, but with fear attached, you know. Um, nothing, was, nothing was normal. There was no predictability. Things would shift and change constantly. Um, and that was not how we normally live. Like um, my kids particularly, um, some of them and myself, um, really like things structured and planned and organized. We now like to know where we're going. Yeah. So it was just, it was phenomenal. So what we're living through was this situation where everybody was tense and frustrated and scared. And so what that looked like was that the kids were at each other constantly. Like these are kids who are normally like, you've met my kids, Matt, like they're, they're sweet kids. Like they, yeah. they, um, they're friendly, they're polite. They are interested in other people. Um, but these kids were not those kids. These kids who were my head around my table, they were my kids, but they weren't my kids. They were just, as I said, they were at each other constantly. They were angry. They were, um, you know, just constantly angry. There was no joy. There was no laughter. The singing had gone from our house. Anyway, um, this one day in absolute frustration, um, I finally took a piece of advice from my mum. My mum had kept saying, my mum's a school teacher. And since I started having kids, my mum would just say this, you know, last calm voice. It's sometimes so calm it really irritates um you know like she'd just be saying like just catch them being good darling just catch them being good I was like but I can't like I swear I'm trying there's nothing they're just adding to the whole time there's nothing I can't find anything that they're doing that's like they're beautiful kids I love them but I can't find anything here that's like that I can pray like behaviors that I can that I can praise yep. anyway so I got to breaking point I sat down at this tiny table and I had this vase um and I sat with, in fact, I'm going to just reach over. Hang on a second. So it's now this. Oh, there we go. So I sat down with this vase. And at the time, it was like a, just a little chunky gray vase. We've lost a few of them in the, in the process because we've used it constantly. So this little vase and a stack of brightly colored post-it notes. And they're always like, they're always handy. And I sat down and I forced myself to go through and write one post-it note for each child. So five, five post-it notes, sorry, for each child. Each post-it note had one thing that they'd done that day that's great. And then I didn't say anything. I folded them up and I put them into this vase. Well, this is now the vase. This is now our great jar. So I sat them there and I put this vase in the middle of this tiny table and we had dinner that night. And the kids were like, what's, the, what's in the vase? I'll tell you later. 
<laughs> what's in the vase? But what's in there? You'll find out. I'll tell you later. We get to the end of dinner and I didn't even clear the plates. So we just sort of shoved them to one side because the kids were so excited to hear what was in the vase. And I started pulling them out. So like these things that I pulled out and like, it's so sweet now. You, oh, I'll explain in a second. Um, so I started pulling them out and like, we're unfolding these little post-it notes and reading them out one at a time. And these kids, like their eyes were like dish pans. They were, like, oh, they were so excited to hear all these things that they'd done that were great. And it shifted everything that everything changed like the whole energy in our house the mood everything changed instantly so within 24 hours <clears throat> within 24 hours it was a completely different household it was back to my old household like it was my kids had returned and within 72 hours not only were they doing things to try and sort of get that praise because they loved it but they were actually doing it for each other and then they were doing it for me like three-year-olds writing post-it notes Easy. that say Mama, you did great. Dinner was beautiful tonight. Like, it's nuts, right? That's crazy. In such so, short time. Such a short time. It was phenomenal. And then so it worked so well that I couldn't help but share it. So I shared it with my coaching clients and they were finding instant results as well. And then I was sharing it with my clients who were clients who were leaders in a position to lead teams of people who had like dysfunctional teams and they were rolling this out with their team and like their team's reputation in the business shifted. It's just the most phenomenal thing. And anyway, so last year during COVID lockdown, um, I'd, I'd been talking about this, pro, this, um, this habit in one-on-one -on -one coach programs and in keynote speaking, I do a lot of keynote speaking stuff. And then last year, so lockdown, well, year before lockdown happened. And so I was like, okay, I guess it's time to write that book after all. So I wrote the book and... Um, so what, what month are we up to now? So it's now 14 months ago that the book launched and it went to number one bestseller in the first three hours of launching. Wow. So like the, the How did impact that feel? of this book. Oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> so good. So, so good. So, so good. That's crazy. Yeah, really, really good. How did you, how did you actually come up with the whole post-it note? Were you always into the whole post-it note thing? Or yeah, how did yeah. that concept come about, Kath? Well, see, Matt, I am, like, I'm naturally an organised person, so I probably have an over-addiction to post-it notes in my life. Yeah, love so it. So I don't know if you've heard of people who've said, um, like, be, be cautious about post-it notes because if you think, like, if you're writing things down on a post-it note, it's actually really easy to use too many and you just get, like, if you write the really important things you need to get done on a post-it note and then you write the next important thing down on a post-it note, like, I've probably got some post-it notes sitting around my desk here, but, like, I maybe needed to action, but they've slipped underneath. So post-it notes are. You might have like, 47 things to do every day if you just keep going. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you need to be really disciplined to use them and move them on. But yeah, they just, um, it was really just desperation. And because it was kids, and I think this is the thing with, um, the thing with me with self-care is that um, I think that self-care for me is really hard. It's yeah. really hard because um, it, it, it's the same with any goal that you have that you can't reach. The reason you're not reaching it is because your goals conflict with your other goals. Yeah. And so with self-care for me, and exercise certainly fits into that basket a lot of times for me, that the reason that well, the thing that blocks me is that it conflicts with my other values. It conflicts with the fact that I need to be there for my kids and the time that I've got, that's where I need to spend it, right? So to your question about the, the post-it notes, it was all about the kids. Like this habit, this did great habit changed my life instantly. Like it was an instant 180 degree transformation. But it only, I was only able to do it because I was doing it for the kids. I wasn't doing it for me. So true. Because you mm. always do more. It's crazy because you always do more for others than you will than you would for yourself, hey? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so true. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking the other day, Matt, about habit stacking. Yeah. So for me, like, like, it's beautiful, right? So habit stacking, I love this idea. And I think the most successful, one of the most successful um, and obvious habit stacking campaigns that I've seen is, you know, the Cadbury favourites? Yeah. Like what to bring when you're told not to bring a thing. Yeah. Like they attach it to this, event that happens all the time because every time you go to someone's place like what can you be oh I don't bring anything yeah and now you're automatically going oh got to bring the Cadbury's got to bring the favorites 
yeah so it's true. so good right yeah um and it was effective for Cadbury and I tell you it's effective for me and for people who I've worked with as well because by <laughs> I've just remembered another one um thank you very much Matt you know you're um at one point in one of your podcasts you say you know um just like always add more squats like it's always a good thing to add more squats so now I do shower squats <laughs> there we go I'm in the shower every day it's not hurting to add an extra 50 squats in the shower that's good it right still counts still counts totally right yeah so this habit stacking idea um it. it's beautiful yeah and I've completely forgotten where we were going with that you asked me a question I'm off on a tangent already yeah, no, that's right. So now how do you use it with your clients, this whole habit stacking? Yeah. Now, obviously, yeah, sure. like I always tell people there's obviously three parts. There's obviously family, your finances and fitness. Mm. Now, where do you feel people kind of struggle with that? Obviously, I haven't got kids at the moment, but mm. yourself personally, you said on the fitness side of things. Now, mm. how do you kind of keep everything in check for the everyday mum listening to this? How, how, how will sta- uh, habit stacking help them? Yeah, so um, I think so with the habit stacking, it's about um, it's really about knowing what you value the most, right? Yep. So we have this app that um, helps with this, um, and part of the app. So, like, you know, we can talk about the habits, and we can talk about um, what things you need to do to get to where you want to go. But unless you actually understand at the very base level what's most important to you. It doesn't matter what habits we suggest or how cool the timing is of that habit lining up with something else like squats in the shower or this morning I went for a run and my son came with me and that makes it so much easier because I want one-on-one time with my son and I need to run. So like those sort of things about habits taking with the kids, it's beautiful. Um, But unless you actually know at the core what's most important to you, it it doesn't matter how good a program looks unless it actually lines up with your values. Yeah. You're not going to do it. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. I love that. Well, like what's that core desire? Exactly. That's why core values are massive in business too. Hey. Totally. But you know, the funny thing is that when, so core values in business, when I first started doing this coaching gig, like nearly 20 years ago now or 20 years ago now, um, it used to be like, we'd have this thing where they'd say, um, so this corporate coaching business that I worked for, they'd say, they'd give people a list and they'd say, okay, so choose, choose your core values from this list, list. from a list, of a list. And there was like 50 and so there's lots to choose from. Yeah. But still so many of the values on this list were things like respect and integrity and things that we all value. Of course we value them. Yeah. But then I was, um, I was doing this webinar with a girlfriend of mine who is, um, she's a good friend. We've worked together for years and she's, um, She's the founder of the um, Mindfulness Institute. Her name's Kath Gillespie. And I was doing this uh, webinar with Kath and she said, um, she said, she was talking about her values and she listed her values and one of them was, she said, was fun. I was like, whoa, whoa, what did you say? Did you say fun was one of your values? Like, yeah. <laughs> Is that loud? Oh, my God, that's so good. <laughs> and like that one moment of, you know, those moments where you just feel really stupid, like how did I... Miss that How one. Did I, exactly, exactly. How did I not um, see that values are totally up to you to choose? You don't actually need to be guided. Like it's not multiple choice. Yeah, and it's not some some generic, you know, like respect. Totally. That'll be on everyone's list, you know. Totally. But is that true to the actual person? Exactly. And I swear to you, like I've worked, there's one leader in particular who I've worked with who I know that respect is absolutely one of his core values. Like he's, and he will say um, through and through, he's like, my values come from my father. My father's values are my values. But the trouble for the most of us, for most of us is that we think we value certain things, but they're actually things like it comes back to your bias. They're the things that you've been taught to value, not the things you actually value. So like, that's why you get, um, the 45-year-old accountant who throws it all in and decides to become a physio or a naturopath or a yoga teacher because she's worked all this time. She's reached a level of success that's fantastic, but it's not actually meeting her heart's desire because it was her parents' it was her parents' goals for her. Like she's following her family's values, not her own values. Yeah, and they never think, questioned it. Exactly, never questioned it, totally. I think that... Um, Honestly, I think that if anyone was to, um, like, if, if you need a starting point, it's absolutely about understanding where your values are, like where your true values are, not the values that you've inherited, because things like you're allowed to have 
like when you're talking about your values and you're thinking about your work self, you're allowed to have time with my kids as one of your core values. It's okay to have that in your like, when you're thinking about your work goals and desires, that's okay. It's okay. And unless you, like if that's really genuinely something that totally motivates you at the core, then put it up there, incorporate it into part of your goals, incorporate it into your mindset, your goal setting, make sure that those, that the kids are part of the goal setting process. Otherwise, all those little goals and the milestones that you need to tackle along the way, you're going to fall short and you're going to feel crap about it. And that adds to your own bias about you're not actually capable enough to achieve what you want to achieve. I love that, Kat. That's so true. Uh, I just want to, I want to touch on productivity now throughout the day. Because yeah. this is a big thing that I used to struggle with personally, but I know mm. a lot of people struggle with it because when it comes to fitness or work, they feel like they need to do whatever it is 24 hours out of the day. Yeah. So how do you kind of help people? Because even if you give a fitness analogy, oh, sorry, mm. uh, business analogy, people yeah. can take it for their obviously nutrition and their fitness. So yeah. What's your kind of system that helps you get through the day so people don't get overwhelmed, as you said, with the, um, I've even got post-it notes here. here. So what's your system to make sure people don't have, you know, 200 post-it notes on their table and they don't know where to start? Yeah, that's really interesting. So when you're saying about like, what's the, what's the tool for productivity, I'm going in a completely different tangent than you are. So, um, I think the biggest thing for me, it look, it really is such an individual thing because it depends on how you're wired as to um, which way you need guidance, right? Yeah. I think for the most part, um, I think that, you know, there are so many studies that show that, look, honestly, if it was one word, it's forgiveness. Yeah. Because I think that um, when you, no matter how highly driven you are, no matter how much of a high achiever you are, um, there will be things that you want to get done in your day that you don't get to. And so that can be part of the drive. So if you are someone who works 24-7 because you love it and you can't step away from it because you love it so much, or maybe you're someone who works 24-7 because you're chasing, you're fleeing something, you know, maybe you are um, running from something. Either way, you are going to hit such exhaustion. You know, I was speaking with a client this morning And she's got a team who's supporting the Northern Rivers and the floods. And, you know, there is exhaustion there for different reasons. There are people who are working so phenomenally hard because they care so much about the work they're delivering and the people they're supporting. So I think the biggest thing with productivity is, you know, we can talk about capabilities. We can talk about honing your capabilities. We can talk about time management skills. But the biggest thing is forgiving yourself for stepping away. Yeah. Because when you do have a big goal and a big mission, if you are someone who is, has a lot of drive or a lot of heart, it's actually really hard to step away and not beat yourself up for all the things that you haven't done. So we come back then to the did great habit is a beautiful tool for forgiveness because it reminds you, it reminds you the things that you've done that are actually on the path. Um, I don't know, um, you're a fan of Atomic Habits? Yes, I love that book. Beautiful, right? So good. And I love the way that he talks about like every every action that you have in a day that's like a good habit is a vote for a more positive future. 100%. Yeah, right. And every like everything that you do, like um, the block of chocolate you just consumed instead of, you know, to to keep you going on that next bit of getting through the post-it notes, that's not helpful. But if you are beating yourself up about, I just ate a block of chocolate, then you're actually impeding your ability to do the next part of what you need to do because you're stuck on the negative instead of the moving forward the positive stuff the growth mindset stuff i'm combined like 15 different analogies i hope this is making yeah sense. no like like small things every day i always say in my gym one percent improvements jim yeah. rowan jim rowan says an apple a day not seven on sunday totally i love that it's i love like that small little things add up and that's yeah. what I, I try and tell people with their fitness too because people come in my gym within a week you know like they've never trained in their life and they say matt i don't want to put on muscle and i'm like look that's a longer process (laughs) (laughs) no risk in the first week (laughs) yeah so it's literally just small things and and most people always i think they just take the real hard approach they want like they can't delay gratification 
Yeah. If they could just expand their time horizons and just say, all right, this may take me 10 years or 20 years. Yes. What very few things do I need to do today? Yes. That'll really help them because that's what's helped me too. Like I've got five things I need to do today. Podcasting with you is one. I do them. I'm like, great. That's a win. Yeah. It's great. So I love your analogy, how it all comes back to um, stacking those habits because that literally is everything, stacking those wins. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So so Kath, on the speaking end, yeah. What's that what's that been like? Coming out of COVID? Yeah. Have you got anything is coming up? Let's yeah. touch base there. Yeah. So um so in the past I've done <clears throat> excuse me, I've done a lot of like um global conferences, leadership conferences, you know, conferences across the agriculture sector or the property sector or um, you know, food or you know, different industries, the government sector, for example, lots of government and healthcare sector. Um, and they're beautiful, they're big scale, they're so much fun, like the energy that you get in the room. Um, it's awesome. But I think that we are unlikely to get that on a consistent basis again, at least for a good few years, you know, like I think that, um, you know, like we're not officially in lockdown at the moment, but I'm in lockdown. I don't know a whole lot of other families are in lockdown because the kids have got COVID. One, one's got COVID, so the whole family's got to stay in, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that this is kind of the pattern that we are stuck in as far as speaking gigs. So um, a lot of my talks, like I've got one in uh, a, another big one, big, big one in a couple of weeks' time, um, but that's online. Yeah. Lots of them are all online. And so I think that is just so very much the way that, we've become more comfortable. You know, you can actually consume it more easily when it's online. And I think um, we're doing it differently. Like online used to just be like, um, I don't know, watching a recording of something, but now yeah. it's not, it's much more interactive. So yes. I think that's where, where we're heading. So there's a lot of, um, like a lot of my speaking gigs now, there are some that are big, but a lot of them tend to be, or the bulk of them tend to be like, for example, um, like where I'll do a, a keynote talk for somebody on like the did great habit and teaching teams how to use this and how individuals can use it for themselves. And then we'll support them at the back end with an app so that they can actually track the did great habit patterns in the background. Yeah. yeah. To actually make sure they're doing it. They're fulfilling on what you've taught them. Exactly. Do you, exactly. Do you, find, do you find that's the hardest thing for people? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Like actually I think, fulfilling on because most of the information's out there it's just mm. we're always seeking new and different and most times yeah. I, I i get it from alex hormozzi like it's it's the boring things done you know consistently yeah um so how much of it is new tactics how much of it how much of it is fulfilling on that honestly i think in in my 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 perspective is yep. that um nothing that i say is altogether brilliant or all you know it's nothing is that revolutionary you know like I've got a different take on self-care but we have the same goal you know for me self-care is not the place to start it's actually self-love and gratitude Mm -hmm. we've got the same goal we're all building wellness and resilience but it's just a different take I don't think it's actually I don't think any of us have that much they say that um like there's no idea that's never been thought of before right yeah but i think that for me the really big cut through thing there's two of them one is about using stories so that you can see how this so so you can see how me applying this habit in my life or with my clients how it's given me a benefit therefore you're more motivated to have a go right you're more curious to actually see how you can apply this habit in your life as opposed to it just being something you hear and it's like passing traffic, like a, a house you drive past on the street. It's like, oh, yeah, that's nice. And off you go. Yeah. And the second thing yeah, is that. are going to remember stopping. those stories. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Because yeah. And it's actually like it's been scientifically um, proven with, you know, the, the brain scans and stuff that when you hear a story, when someone tells you a story about what's happened to them, you actually like it, like you're watching a movie, you actually, your brain puts you in the driver's seat. So you actually experience some of that as well. So when you're hearing a story, when someone tells you their story, you're experiencing it as though you are the hero in that story. So you get the emotional roller coaster as well, as long as you're telling the story well, you know, like as in when I say telling it well, 
as long as you're telling the story fully and sharing the whole story and not just glossing over it because you lack confidence to be your true self. Yeah. Mm. There's got to be that emotional connection. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So then when you start with that, when you've got that emotional connection through stories as to why you might want to apply this habit, then you click into the habit stacking, like, um, you know, what to bring when you're told not to bring a thing or shower squats. I don't do shower squats and I do shower squats. Yeah. Like when you attach it to something else that you already do, like I value my shower. Like I, I really value my shower. Yeah, totally. So attaching these new habits that you want to achieve in a way that aligns with your values and, you know, the patterns of your day, the already the patterns of your day, back to your concept of, you know, um, sticking with the basics and not doing a new thing every five minutes. You know, you're not actually, you're not going to get anywhere with it. It might last you five minutes unless you ground it to something that you already do that's really important, that's part of the basics. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love how you question all these things like self-care, even gratitude, yeah. Spoke on that last week. Now, what's your take on gratitude? Because I know a lot of people, or there's some people out there that obviously get up in the morning and they write down things they're grateful yeah. for. But yeah. I love your take on gratitude. Yeah, gratitude sucks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, love, I love it. <laughs> it's so, different, but it's different. Yeah, it is different. And look, I'm not like I'm not a complete narcissist. Like I do think that gratitude is really important. I think that um, my take is a little bit different because I've learned that gratitude is actually the thing that stops so many people from achieving. Do you feel that's because they're satisfied? They're kind of satisfied? No, I don't. I think it's because, um, you know, Matt, um, like people will say, like I could say to you, oh my God, it is so phenomenal that you ran that marathon. Like I'm still in awe that you ran the marathon, right? And you could say to me, oh, you know, I was just really lucky. I had a trainer who supported me. I had someone in my corner who was brilliant. Um, We're actually naturally, like culturally, we are naturally, um, we're naturally aware of our good luck. So if you think that you got here based on good luck, and that's what gratitude often does, it makes you think you got here because of, external situations external circumstances yeah but I think so for me so there are certainly some people who I there are people through my coaching work there are people who I've said we need to start a gratitude diary you know you you really need to feel support and love and that's what gratitude is great for but gratitude doesn't give you self-belief it actually undermines your self-belief and to be specific, so where I've worked with people who will say, I got here based on luck. So why aren't you applying for the next role? Well, I can't count on the luck again. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know that, like, if I got to my success in this job because I had an amazing boss, I'm not going to go to that job. I'll follow my face because my, my old boss is not there. Yeah, you can't bring your boss with you. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So I think for me, that's part of where the did great habit came from is that, you know, taking stock of what you've done is much more helpful for a growth mindset. Like that fixed mindset is kind of, I have right now all the skills I'm ever going to have. So whatever comes in future, I'm only going to be, only ever going to be as good or worse than I am now. Yeah. dealing with that but a growth mindset with a growth mindset you're like um i'm here i'm evolving um you know that the did great habit feeds into that because it it moves away from i'm here because i'm lucky and it moves towards um, my skills are ever evolving every day i'm doing things that are moving me forward towards what's important to me oh yeah <laughs> i love that now you touch base on self obviously self-confidence self-belief what's your take on that how does someone you know get more confident or just believe in themselves a bit more I've got my takes on it so I'd love to hear what you have to say about that Matt I have to say like it's interesting having this conversation with you because um, I know that there are I think that Mm, this is kind of complex and really simple at the same time you know so um, I know that spending time in your gym I was so confident because of the time that I invested there and I think for me how do people get more self-confident it's actually just stacking evidence like stack the evidence 
I think that um, they say that, so the stats say that you need to hear something positive seven times to outweigh something negative. So if I go and do a talk and at the end of that talk, um, someone in the corner, like my boss comes and says to me, okay, that was amazing. You had them eating out of the palm of your hand. Great mix of data and stories. We had people who are like stakeholders who were engaged that were never engaged before. Like you even got the, the hecklers, the normal hecklers. They were, uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Now that part where you went through the data, maybe slow down a bit next time so we could hear it a bit more fully. But oh my God, that was amazing. And I walk away going, I talk too much. I talk too fast. I talk too fast. Like I don't hear all the positive. I just hear that I talk too fast. Of course. We do it so much, right? So I think that it's really important knowing that you need seven bits of positive to outweigh every bit of negative that you hear. It is so crucial just to stack up the bits of positive that you hear and that you take from the world around you about how you're doing. And I think the beautiful thing with physical fitness is that you do get some really tangible evidence in how you are doing great, you know, um, yep. it has such a visible outcome, a visible benefit. And you can't mm. fake it. Like, like you can see who's been working and who hasn't. That's why I love it. But how much of it is keeping, oh, I know this, this kind of goes exactly into what you were saying, but how much is it keeping those small promises you make to yourself? And just you know, yeah, in those little wins. Yeah. Sorry, Kath. It really is, but I'm going to be controversial here again as well and say yep. um, there needs, for me, for my personality, yep. I need forgiveness. Like for me, yep. because I'm so highly driven, the thing that I need to work on is not actually holding myself to a standard because yep. I'm there already. Like I, that's my natural setting is to hold myself to an extreme standard. The part that's your that baseline. I need to work That's on, your baseline. I love that. It is. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So for me, it's actually about forgiveness. Yep. It's about saying, like back to the atomic habits, where he says, you know, like every um, he says, he says, think about your positive habits in a day as votes. It's either a vote for good or a vote for bad. Yes. Like it's better future or worse future. Yeah. And he says, in any election, he's like, This is a this is a democracy. Yeah. You don't need a landslide to win. Yeah. You just need more positive votes in the day than negative votes in a day. Yeah, I love that. So I think that those like keeping to your promises to yourself. Um, the dig great habit honestly rules so much of my day because so much of those moments come back to more evidence of dig great, you know? Um, and I think at the start of the day to make sure that those positive, that those promises to yourself are on track for me, I, if I was just to go based on my, <laughs> just to go based on like what I'm driven to do, I would start the day with 47 different promises to myself there's yeah. no way that I can fulfill 47 promises. Yeah, that's very so true. It's, it is, right? And so um, I stumbled across this habit um, maybe a couple of years ago now, just starting each day by saying, and it was actually um, um, oh, the business ships girl, Emma, oh, I've got to say her name, um, but she, she wrote a book and she says, um, she says she starts her day by just asking this one question of what one thing would make today great. I love that. And that one thing could be calling your brother. But what one thing would make today great? Something so simple. Is that, now is that yes. something different every single day? Or is it? it can be, yeah, absolutely. Like yep. fresh start because today, who knows what's going to happen in your day today? We don't know, especially like the last the last couple of years have taught us anything. It's that nothing's predictable. Yeah. You know, like when I start my days, I don't know if my kids are going to be able to, like my son's 13. I don't know if he's going to be able to get to the, the city for his for school today or if the trains aren't going to be running and I'm going to have to drop everything and do a school run that maybe I shouldn't be doing, but I'm yeah, doing it today. You know, um, there is so much that is unpredictable that if I was just living my life based on, those 47 promises you get to the end of the day and it's actually soul crushing and it really undermines your confidence yeah because you didn't live up to what you wanted to do this today you know but starting the day by saying what one thing would make today great that's and, really powerful because and, you get yeah, it done and i was going to say then once you get that win yeah. you're done whatever happens happens totally totally yeah yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Now, with your with your little um, sorry, what was it called? The habit. The dig great habit. 
They did great habit. Now with yeah. your little post-it notes, are yes. you checking them nightly? Are you still writing them with your kids every day? Honestly, no. It's an ongoing thing. Oh, okay. It is definitely an ongoing thing, but like any good habit, it slips. Yep. So I'm not going to tell you that we do this every day of the week, but what I can tell you is that you see a difference like yoga. When I'm not practicing yoga, I feel a difference. I yes, see definitely. a difference. Like it's, it's yep. visceral. So with the degrade habit, when I slip, when we slip in this habit, you see it, the kids start arguing. So, and the time that the kids argue the most is always in a confined space. So like we're in the car, that's when they're going to argue. Or you're like running out the door, confined space with time. That's when they're going to argue. Yeah. So for me, the times that you see it slipping, it's like, okay. <laughs> when you catch it. You catch it, you catch it. So, and I mean, seriously, like it's it's really easy to see with the kids because it's someone other than yourself, right? It's yeah. easier to see it slipping when you're using it in the family or your team than it is if you're just monitoring your own behavior because the people around you are a mirror to what's going on within you, right? Yeah, of course. So you see it in the people around you mirroring what's going on for you. And so, for example, when I see the kids are arguing, I'm like, ah, ah, ah. You are not saying another word. You and you are not speaking until you have said three things that that other person has done that's great. Oh, there you go. That'll change it. Totally. The energy changes completely. That negative just like evaporates. They've forgotten it completely. It's like um, I was, we have a puppy. We have this mini griddle puppy. She's so cute. We're doing puppy training on the weekend. And um, the puppy trainer was talking about um, doing a U-turn. She's like, okay, so if we're seeing a behaviour that we don't like, so we're walking this way and the dog is walking towards another dog that's looking a bit aggressive, you think you're going to see something you don't want to have to confront, you don't want to, like you don't want the dog to get to the other dog and then be aggressive, like just pull it back before you get there, right? Yeah. So she's talking about doing a U-turn, like just, so you're walking down, you see that there's a possible situation that might escalate in a way you don't want, you just do a U-turn, you come back, you pull the behaviour and the dog's like completely snapped out of it. Like they're looking at something new, they're looking at something fresh and exciting and that thing that they were heading down towards is gone. It's evaporated. I love that. And it's so funny how you can take that and apply it in everyday life. Yeah. Like something that seems so simple. That's yeah. awesome. I had all many years ago before, like I had dogs as kids, as a, as a child, but then I hadn't like in leadership, but it's only recently we've got this puppy. Um, but it's really brought home to me. There was this woman who I coached, a little while back who said to me she was a dog trainer as well so she was a you know high-flying corporate executive Um, but she said to me the number one um, like the best leadership training she'd ever had was dog training her her dogs wow and now I'm starting to see it this idea of the u-turn and you know like um lots of positive and praise and all of this stuff it's so true because I think you're really conscious of giving lessons and you're conscious of um, changing behavior through positive reinforcement and, and different patterns. What What's most leaders bottleneck? So what do they struggle with most when they come to you, Kat? Oh, there's two things. Um, one is courage. So courage is a thing that people identify themselves. So particularly for women, I'd say that nine and a half out of 10 women who I work with say to me, the number one thing holding them back is a variation of courage. It's either like it's courage or they say imposter syndrome, or they say, I want that next step, but I don't want my boss's personality or his lifestyle or his divorce rate. Yeah. They don't think they can do that job and be themselves. They think they're going to have to reinvent themselves. So it's a version of courage. That's one thing, but actually the the biggest thing is really emotional intelligence. So um, emotional intelligence, you know, I, how well you understand yourself and other people because that's the foundation. Like if you, can, if you can improve how well you understand yourself and other people, your communication improves, um, your inclusion improves, your decision-making improves, um, all of these other things fall into place when your emotional intelligence is stronger. People want to be able to relate to you. They don't want you being, you know, some CEO in an office looking down on everyone too. Totally. So I definitely think that's a massive part of it. And are you, you're in the sales area too, Kath, correct? 
So sales is part of my business, but not part of my teaching, I suppose. So I have certainly done sales training programs in the past, but it's not where I, like, that's not my sweet spot, you know, like, so the sales is a part of my business in the same way that accounting is a part of my business. As a small business owner, that's part of what I do to build my business. Um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it's funny because when it comes to leadership, I know we spoke about this last week, um, sales too. And, and yeah. when I first got into business, I thought, all right, it's just as simple as opening up a business. Yeah. I didn't know there were all these aspects to it. But going back to sales, it's just so funny how you have to be able to relate to people and there's, yes. you know, stories and it's, yeah. it just all kind of comes under the one umbrella. So I'm, I'm fascinated does. with the whole business thing and, and leadership's the next thing that I'm kind of tucking into. Mm. Um, so it's just interested to, uh, it's just interesting to hear your perspective on all that. So yeah. Matt, you know, you talk about um, like those stories. The stories are so important, right? And so important in leadership and sales and any kind of communication because I think that like no matter what role you're in, if you're in sales, like a sales title job or not a sales title job, sales is part of your job. Yeah. It's part of communicating with people and helping people to get what they want and yeah. helping to get what you want, but helping to get what they want requires some sales. Um, one of the books that I wrote last year, um, uh, it's called Lost for Words. Yep. And I wrote it because one of my, some of my biggest frustrations come from is the things that people do that don't need to be a Done. problem, you know? Yeah, absolutely, totally. So, like, for example, I do a lot of communications coaching with people. And the, the part about how do we get your story into a compelling delivery whether that's to pitch for budget approval or whether it's to engage your team or whether it's to speak to an external audience of stakeholders, no matter what, like getting your story to match that delivery mode that's going to engage people and inspire them to take action, that's the easy part. That is so the easy part. It really is simple. Like there's a process. I can walk you through it in three steps. There's a process, right? The hard part is getting people to value their stories, to value their stories. So like, for example, if you are, now I'm, I've known you for long enough that I know that you really value great stories yep. because you you see the stories, you share the stories and sharing those stories inspires people. But for a lot of people, they don't value that their stories are interesting enough or add value enough, you know? Yes. So this book that I wrote, Lost for Words, is all about how do you pull out these stories from yourself how do you value these stories how do you find these stories within your own experience then how do you capture them and then what do you do with them like how do you make sure that you draw out the right story at the right time because so many people in a work environment so many people are keeping their mouth shut because they don't want to say something that's boring or you know off message or not impressive enough or they go the other way where they want to be heard or they're just you know, um, have an extrovert preference for extroversion. So they like to talk and they're telling the wrong stories. Yeah. And so they're known for fluff instead yeah. of being known for on message and moving you forward. Now, how much of a good story is facts and, and stories? Because I know Ed Milet <laughs> says facts tell stories sell. Like if you, if you give yeah. people, and I know with nutrition, when I first started, yeah. I was just I'm a nutrition nerd, so I'm just babbling all this. They call it techno babble. I'm yeah, just going yeah. on about nutrition, and then I'm talking to the person, and it's just flying over their head. Yeah. So, what's the happy normal? You know, getting some facts in there to educate someone, and and how much is a story on a percentage? So, like seventy five percent story, and you know what I mean. I do. Can I? Um, how long have I got? Like, have I got a couple of minutes to tell you a story to give you an answer to this? Yeah, let's go another five and then we'll wrap it up. Okay, beautiful. So I'm going to tell you a story. So let's say my mum and dad go away for the weekend, right? Mum and dad, different personality styles. At the end of the weekend, I'll say, mum, dad, how's your weekend? Dad, how's your weekend? He'll say, kiddo, we got away in time to miss the traffic. Um, we, I got a fishing line in the, in the water on Friday night, caught three fish, cooked them up for lunch on Saturday with a bottle of wine with the neighbours. Um, Saturday night, caught a movie. Sunday morning, breakfast on the pier, home in time to iron the shirts. Yep. Good weekend. My mum, mum, how was your long weekend? Oh, darling, it was fabulous. The food that we ate, oh, my God, you should have seen it. You know, your father caught three fish. We cooked them up 
cooked them up with the neighbours of that bottle of wine that we bought in the Hunter Valley. Do you remember that bottle of wine we bought with them? Um, what did we see that weekend? Oh, it was it was it was Hugh Jackman. Do you know he's got another play coming out? We're going to go and see that play. It's coming out to Sydney in three months. We've got to book it in now. My mum is listening to my dad saying she doesn't care about your shirts. Did you have a good weekend? <laughs> and my dad is listening to my mum saying you're all over the place, woman. But my dad, my dad's style, right? My dad's style of absorbing and, and relaying information is step by step by step. Yeah. And my mum's style is to talk in themes. So first of all, there's the food theme. The food was gorgeous. You might get lots of detail about that. And then there's the entertainment theme. We saw this movie and we've got to do this and the people. And so when you're speaking with somebody, you don't actually know if they're a detailed person or a big picture person. Yeah. So to answer your question, what's most important, story or stats? It's both. But I think as long as you start with context, so if you start with, so my dad, when my dad tells that story, and my dad does normally do this, I've exaggerated, he's telling a little bit. Um, if you start with the story to give some context, so start with your story to give, here I was in this situation here, this is how I was feeling, this was what was going on, so let me give you some stats about why this is going on. Yeah. And then you can pack it at the end with the result. You know, there's um, um we call it the car, the car approach, you know, context, action, result. So start with the story and that gives people an opportunity to engage and then give them the data because then the data is really exciting. Yeah. We understand where it's, where it, how it's relevant Yeah. and then pack it at the end with the results and the outcome. And it's really powerful. I love it. Bridging that gap. Yeah, totally. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, so- that's awesome. I love that, Kath. And it's much <laughs> was... more inclusive. You know, it's it's a, it's back to what you were saying about leadership being, you know, not just that dinosaur style leadership, but, you know, bringing everybody on the journey. I love I love how you said your dad was um, really specific because that reminds me of my sister. She's probably going to listen to this. <laughs> and then she gets halfway through the story and she realizes it's going nowhere and yeah. she just stops it. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Tell her to give me a call. I'll have a chat with her. I love I'll share it. The car with it. <laughs> right, Kath, Kath, it's been an absolute. It's been an absolute pleasure. Now, before we before we wrap it up, Kath, just tell people about your books. Where can they find you, and how can you really help them? Yeah, sure. I guess um, there's always new programs coming out, and like there's a there's a stack of books. There's a new one just out last week. So, um, if you go to kathnolan.com, so and I'll, I'll put I'll put all the links Beautiful. in the show notes too. But yeah, Perfect. go through, Kath. Yeah, go through there. Um, and you'll find links on there. It's like our Facebook group to build courage and confidence. Um, it's called Don't Be Asked, really cheeky name. The Asked stands for at risk of self-doubt. Um, yeah, and it was the name of one of my books as well. So Don't Be Asked is the Facebook group. But you'll find all the links from that, uh, all the links to that sort of stuff on the website. So kathnolan.com, hook up on LinkedIn or you know wherever people like to connect. Um, yeah, you'll find it all on the website. Awesome, Kath. And what do you want to leave people with? Oh, what have you done today that was great? Awesome. I love that. I'm going to start my warm, uh, my morning that way now. Beautiful. After my coffee, but after my yeah. long break. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> I love right, that. And awesome. I can't wait to hear what great things you've done while the coffee's happening. Oh, plenty. Yeah, there will be. There will be. I'm ADHD enough, so once I get a coffee in me, plenty happens. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. Right, so Kath. great to speak with you again, Matt. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. See you soon. All right, Kath.